You're listening to audio provided by Valleydale Church. To find more resources or to donate to this ministry, please check out valleydale.org. Valleydale Church has always had a passion for missions, but what if God is calling Valleydale Church to do more, to do more to get the gospel to our city and all over the world? God has blessed Valleydale so much, and we believe He is calling us to bigger things. We believe Valleydale Church is called to reach our community, our country, and the nations with the gospel of Jesus through planting and replanting gospel-centered churches in Birmingham and around the world. Valley Church has planted Iron City Church and replanted the church at Old Town, and we believe God is calling us to do more. We believe Valley Church is called to intentionally raise up and equip future church planters and replanters and church leaders through an intentional sending pipeline. Valido Church has previously sent out church members all over the world, and we believe God is calling us to send more. We believe Valido Church is called to develop a family of churches who are like-minded in our mission, which is to spread the gospel of Jesus by living on mission, making disciples, engaging our communities, and multiplying churches. But in order for Valido Church to do what we believe God has called us to do, what is it going to take? It's going to take all of us together. Every one of us has a part and we must all do our part. If we truly want to do what God has called us to do as a church to fulfill the Great Commission and reach the lost in our community and around the world, we must do it together. Together, we need to have a burden for the lost. Together, we need to be praying for the lost. Together, we need to be living on mission daily and engaging the lost. Together, we need to be disciples of Jesus and we need to be making disciples. Together, we need to partner with missionaries and church planters by praying for them, caring for them, and going to them. Together, we need to equip future church planters, replanters, and church leaders and send them out to take the good news of the gospel to a lost and dying world. If Valido Church wants to see the good news of the gospel spread from Birmingham through our country and to the nations, then we must be on mission together. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Good. So welcome to One Mission, as Pastor said. This is our week where we celebrate missions. We have our partners come in. Our team has been working all year, and we're excited for this year. Our partners, again, will be here in just a couple of days. And so uh, we got a great week for you, and we hope that you're excited too. We ask you to join us in prayer because I've been saying this, and I will continue to say this. My prayer, as much as passionate as as Valleydale has been about missions, my prayer is when we leave that week that we even have a bigger passion for missions, a bigger passion to take the gospel all over the world. And so I hope you join us this week as we have a great week uh, planned for you. So just like the video said, what, what will it take for Valleydale Church to be more 
of a missional church who's passionate about taking the gospel of Jesus to our city and all over the world? What will it take for Valido Church to be like the Samaritan woman who dropped her water jar and ran as fast as she could to her village to tell them about Jesus? Just like in this video, the answer to that is it will take all of us together. Every one of us has a part to play, and we must all do our part. And that's what this week is about. This week coming up is about how we all are on mission together. Again, if we want to be the church that God has called us to be and to do what I believe God has called us to do, to be missional together, but how do we do this? We must do it together, but how do we do this? How do we become more of a missional church that's together on mission? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. If you have your Bibles, go to the book of Acts, chapter 13, and we're going to be looking at the first three verses, verses 1 through 3. And as we look at these verses, I believe as we look at this church this morning, you're going to see a church that was living on mission together. This was not one person or a group. This was the church doing it together. And so I'm going to read us chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Now there were in the church in Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manane as a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you for uh, the opportunity to be able to open up your word this morning, Lord. And I pray as we open up your word that you would open up our hearts, open up our minds, Lord. Teach us what you want us to know according to your word, Lord. And just again, Lord, open our minds and open our hearts. Teach us what you want us to know. And I pray that, Lord, as we look at this passage this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Let me give you a little background on what's going on in this chapter. Uh, if you go back to the very beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus is getting ready to go to be with the Father. And he tells the apostles that they will go, that he will send the Spirit. And when the Spirit comes, that then they will go and be his witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, basically all over the world. And so we see in the very beginning there that as soon as Jesus, he, uh, he leaves, right, and the disciples go back to Jerusalem, and they don't do anything. They just sit there, and the gospel doesn't go anywhere. And it, all that changes around chapter 7, seven yeah, sorry, uh, Stephen is murdered, and this causes this great, great persecution. And what happens is all these believers start to scatter. These believe, and as they go and they start sharing the gospel wherever they go, and all of a sudden they start going and they start planting these churches. And one of the churches that we'll see, a very important church, is the church in Antioch. In chapter 11, uh, the church in Jerusalem hears this report that there's great things going on at this church in Antioch. And so they send Barnabas down there. And Barnabas goes and he checks things out. And he says, you know, yeah, there's some great things going. And it says that he encouraged them. And then he left and he goes and he gets Paul or Saul. Uh, he's now converted. He's now a Christian. And he brings back Paul. And it says that for a whole year they spent there with them, encouraging them Raising up, making disciples and raising up leaders. 
And now we come to chapter 13 in book of Acts. And what we see, what we're going to look at this morning is I believe, again, we see a church that's on mission together. There's not one person, two, two or three people. It's the whole church doing it together. And I believe as we look at these verses, we're going to look at four truths that I believe is a blueprint for a missional church. Here's the first one. A missional church is passionate about making disciples who make disciples. Look at verse 1. Now there were in the church at Antioch, prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius the Cyrene, Manane as a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. So this church was passionate about being disciples, but they were also passionate about making disciples. If you go back to chapter 11, verse 21, it says that for a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And then you come to this chapter and you see all these names and all these leaders, and where do they come from? And I believe, again, that's what Paul and Barnabas were doing for that whole year. They were making disciples. They were raising up leaders. And now you see a church that's got really good leaders. What you're eventually going to see is this church would send out Paul and Barnabas. But I believe the reason why they had a passion to send these guys out is because, first, they had a passion to make disciples. This church had a disciple-making culture, and this gave them a desire to send these guys out to go and make more disciples. Notice it says they're prophets and teachers. Those are plural, right? Which means that this wasn't just one person or a few people. I believe it was many more. And if you think about the Great Commission, the Great Commission tells us in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples of all nations. But have you ever thought about this? This was Jesus' last words to his people. His last words were for us to go, for all believers to go and make disciples. Dr. Aiken says last words are lasting words. Here's the truth. If Jesus is the Lord and King of the universe, and he's your Lord, he's my Lord, and he's given us thus this command, don't you think we need to listen We must all obey and we must all see ourselves as disciple makers. When Jesus gave the Great Commission, he gave it to all believers. The truth is, Jesus don't have a special forces. He didn't have a Delta team or a Navy SEALs team that is the Great Commission team. No, when he gave the Great Commission, he gave it again to all believers. You know, one of my favorite books I read is a book called Insanity of God, and it's by a man named Nick Ripkin. And the, one of the funniest stories in there is when he's talking about going on the field. And he tells you this story. He, they get to him and his wife get to the missions agency, that, and they got to go through the interview process to be sent on the field. And he still tells you that his wife, who grew up uh, a Christian all her life, was passionate about missionaries. And she was like the idea person to be a future missionary. So when she showed up, they pretty much just rolled the red carpet out for her. But, but Nick says that he was different. He didn't grow up the way that she did. And so when they, got, when they sit down with Nick and they said to him, you know, why do you think that you're called to go and be a missionary? And this is what he said, because I've read Matthew 28. And you just imagine they said, now, wait a minute now. No, now, now, we believe that you have to be called. So, again, why do you feel called? And he said, again, I read Matthew 28. 
And the point that he's making is, is that, again, the Great Commission was not a group of special people. The Great Commission is for all believers. Listen to what Elton Trueblood said in the book, The Company of the Committed. The call to witness is a call which men can answer affirmatively or negatively, but one who answers it negatively, however kind and pious he may be, is not in the company of Jesus. Larry Sharp in Mission Disrupted said this, he believes there are a lot of pews in the churches today where the people in them do not see themselves as beneficial or have a purpose in missions because they have felt this responsibility was only to professional ministers and missionaries. He goes on to say he was talking with a believer one morning, and this man told him, I do not see that I have anything to offer the world of missions. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, if you think that way, get that out of your mind, because again, the Great Commission is for all believers. Michael Green in the book Evangelism in the Early Church, he said this, that if you think about the early church, this is how they saw themselves. He says this, they saw themselves just as much evangelist as the apostles. He goes on to say their spreading of the good news must often have not been formal preaching, but the informal chattering to friends and chance acquaintances in homes, on walks, and around market stalls. They went everywhere gossiping the gospel. They did it naturally, enthusiastically, and with the conviction of those who are not paid to say that sort of thing. Consequently, they were taken seriously, and the movement spread notably among the lower class. But here's the good news. The good news is Jesus tells us in Matthew 16, he's talking to his disciples, and he says this. He says, I am going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. And if you think about a gate, a gate is a defensive weapon, right? The gospel is the offense. And he's saying this, Jesus says the defense cannot stop this offense. Jesus told his disciples, he's telling us, as we go out and make disciples, we cannot be stopped. The gospel cannot be stopped because Jesus cannot be stopped. If you think about this, what if I were to tell you, if you leave here this morning, you can leave here and you can go do anything that you ever wanted to do and you could not fail. There are so many things that you would probably do. There's so many things I know I would do. But here's what Jesus is saying. You can go out and share the gospel and you cannot be stopped. Should this not give us confidence to go and make disciples and to be obedient to do what God is calling us to do? And the truth is, church, if we want to be a missional church, then we have to have a culture of making disciples. This means more than just going to a life group, more than coming to the service on Sunday, more than attending a Bible study, or even more than being in a D group. Don't get me wrong, these things are important. But the truth is, we all must want to be disciples, but we all need to have a desire and a passion to be disciple makers. God has called us all to be disciple makers. And the truth is, you may not ever preach from a pulpit, you may not ever lead a life group, or even lead a men or women's discipleship group, or a Bible study, but you should be discipling your family. You should be discipling your friends or your neighbors or your coworkers. As we go out and live on mission, sharing the gospel with lost people, then guess what? We must disciple them. And so here's the question for you this morning. Who are you discipling right now? Ask yourself that question. Who are you investing in right now? 
So I truly believe that if Valley Doe Church develops a culture of making disciples, then this passion and this desire will cause us to have a desire and a passion to go outside the walls of this church and to go make disciples in our community and all over the world. Here's the second one. A missional church is passionate about worship. Look at verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And I think there's two things going on in this, past, this verse about worship. Here's the first one. While they were worshiping the Holy Spirit, or while they were worshiping, this Holy Spirit spoke to the church. Patrick Schreiner says this, Corporate worship is a proper context for the reception of the voice of the Spirit. When we're all the church truly worshiping God, that is how and when he speaks to his church. When we spend time with God and worship him, he gives us direction. You know, I was, uh, had a chance to go over to Lifeline and do a devotion a couple of weeks ago. And I was sharing with them, how do we keep our focus? How did Jesus, as busy as he was, how did he keep his focus? And in Mark 1, verses 29 through 39, it tells this great story that Jesus is with the disciples and he's healing all these people and he's casting out demons. And all of a sudden he goes off and he goes to be with the Father. And he comes out, and when he comes out, Peter is there waiting on him. Hey, where you been? You know, we're looking for you. Almost like they want him to come back and continue doing what he was doing. But Jesus looks at him, and he says, we got to go. We must go, and I must go and preach the gospel to other cities. And I believe that the reason why is because Jesus was spending time with the Father, and the Father gave him direction. And I think it's the same way with us. When we spend time with God, truly worshiping him, he gives us direction. He tells us what he wants us to do. Think about the church at Old Town uh, that we, if you were part of that, we spent a lot of time with God, truly worshiping God. The, the elders did, the staff did, the whole church body did. And through that process, by spending time with God, he made it clear to us what we were to do. And look at what that church is doing now. The truth is, church, if we want direction from God to whatever he's calling us to do, then we must spend time with him and truly worship him. And if we do this, he will give us direction. He will make it very clear to us what he's calling us to do. James Boyce says this, Sometimes churches forget that the power in ministry comes from God, and they lose contact with him. This was not the case with this church. It was an active church, even blazing new ground. But it knew that its life came from God and therefore did not abandon its worship. Here's the second one. When we spend time with God and truly worship him, we love him more, and he starts to sync our hearts with his. And what you'll learn as you spend time with God and studying his word is God has a heart for the nations. He wants the nations to know him, and he wants the nations to worship him. John Piper says this, missions exist because worship does not. Missions is ultimate, not mission. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. See, God sends his people to make known to the nation, make him known to the nations so they can know him and they can worship him. And if you study all of scripture, you'll see from cover to cover God's heart for the nations. In Genesis 12, 3, God tells Abraham that through him all the nations will be blessed. 
In 1 Kings 8, 60, so all, all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and there is no other. 1 Chronicles 16, 24, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds amongst all the peoples. In Acts 17, uh, it said, and he made from one man every nation to mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling places, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. So what Paul is telling us here is that Jesus, he sends us out to the nations and he also sends the nations to us. Why? So that they can know him and they can worship him. So we can continue to read this book cover to cover and you will see God's heart for the nations. All as God's people, we spend time with him and truly worship him. He will sync our hearts with his, and we know that he loves the nations. And so if our heart is synced with his, then we will start to love the nations, and we will have a passion to go to the nations, to take the good news of the gospel to the nations so they can know him and they can worship him. And the reason this church sent out Paul and Barnabas was because of their worship to God. They loved God. They had a desire for the nations. And they wanted, and they did what they could do to go. They sent out these two guys to take the gospel to the nations because their heart was synced with God. So let me ask you a question. If we truly love Jesus and truly worship him and believe he is the only one who can save us, satisfy us, give us peace, give us hope, and give us life, then why would we not want to do everything that we can do to get the gospel to those who have never heard? If we really do believe that Jesus is the only way, what's stopping us from going and getting this good news to the world who desperately needs to hear the gospel? I think this is what this church was doing. They wanted the nations to experience Jesus, and so they did everything they, they could do to get Jesus to the nations. This is what this church did. We should be so in love with God that we want everyone to know him and love him, and this should cause us to go as fast as we can and tell the world about Jesus. Is Jesus not worth it? Is he not the greatest thing? What again is stopping us from going and doing what we can to take the gospel to the nations? Think about, again, I said this already, but the woman of Samaritan, the moment that she experienced Jesus, it says that she dropped her water jar, she ran as fast as she could into a village who she was earlier avoiding to tell them about Jesus. This is what truly loving experiences Jesus will do and should do to us. Here's the third one. A missional church is passionate about prayer. Look at verse 3. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So the church of Antioch was not only passionate about worship, but they were passionate about prayer. They were desperate for God. And I believe they knew they needed God to give them direction and to use their church to go and do what God was calling them to do. They were passionate about prayer. Tony Morita says this, Churches that impact the world exalt Jesus passionately and seek him in prayer dependently and expectantly. So here's some truths for you this morning. First, if you study the Bible from Genesis to Revelations, you will see every movement of God's people is rooted in prayer. See, God can do whatever he wants to do, but I believe God works through the prayers of his people. 
This church was desperate for God to move through them, and it was shown through their prayers. And what you saw is God move in a mighty way. The second, if we truly want to be a missional church and see God move through Valleydale to engage our communities, send out people short term, that may be like a week, or, or midterm, that may be like a month or so, and or long term, you know, long term, more than a year or more than two years, and plant and replant churches in Birmingham and all over the world, we must be together a praying church. We better be desperate church, and it better be seen through our passionate praying Ari Torrey says this, the most important factor in effective evangelism is prayer. Every great awakening in the history of the church from the time of the apostles until today has been the result of prayer. There have been great awakenings without much preaching, and there have been a great awakenings with absolutely no organization, but there has never been a true awakening without much prayer. And so again, I say this, when we went through the whole Old Town process, we did that from start to finish. That whole process was rooted in prayer. And God showed us exactly what he wanted us to do. And you see what God has done through that church and through Valleydale, through our prayers. So how do we pray or what do we pray for? The first one, we pray for God to move. Acts chapter 1, the, you know, Jesus tells the disciples to go back to Jerusalem and wait to the Holy Spirit. But when the Spirit comes, that is when they will go and be his witnesses to the world. Jesus told them this. He says, he looked at his disciples and he said this, I'm about to move. And I'm about to move through you, but don't do anything until I send the Spirit. And it says that they went back to Jerusalem, they went to the upper room, and for 10 days they prayed they pleaded with God because they were desperate for God and they were desperate for God to move and they prayed they were desperate for God and they were desperate for God to move through them the second we pray for God to send out laborers in Luke chapter 10 is he was about to send the 72 and in verse 2 he tells them he says this uh, you got to pray first you got to pray to send out laborers so what Jesus told them is this I'm about to send you out for a hard, important mission. But the first thing, the most important thing that you need to do is not to go. That is going to come. But the most important thing you can do is to pray. Pray for God to send out laborers into the harvest. And I'm going to be honest with you this morning. I'm going to be real with this church this morning. If we start praying this prayer together as a church, God will answer it. If we pray this prayer and really mean it, God will begin to raise up people from this church to send them out. Listen to what the Puritan John Eliot said. In the infallible scriptures promise that all nations will bow down to Christ. And if Christ is sovereign and able by his spirit through prayer to subdue all opposition to his promised reign, then there is good hope that a person who goes as an ambassador of Christ to one of these nations will be the chosen instrument of God to open the eyes of the blind and to set up an outpost of the kingdom of Christ. And see, look around the room right now, Valleydale, and I'll say this. If we start to pray this prayer, some of us will not be in this church anymore. I can promise you that. In 1806, a student named Samuel Mills began praying. He grabbed a small group of men, and together they started praying weekly. And it was known as the Haystack Prayer Meeting. And because of this praying came out of this, the founding of the American Board of Commission for Foreign Missions, the American Bible Society, and the United Foreign Mission Society. And through all of these organizations, they sent many people 
to the nations. One of them was a man named Adoniram Judson. You may have heard of him. See, God answered their prayers in a mighty way, and he will answer our prayers in a mighty way if we truly pray this prayer. God will answer it. But here's the thing. If we're not going to be obedient to this, if we're not going to want to go and send people, and we're not going to want to go ourselves, then we don't need to pray this prayer. That's just the truth. So notice when Jesus told the 72 to pray to send out laborers, who did he send? He sent them, right? So Jesus wants us, to, wants us to pray this prayer, and he wants us to send us out, but we must be obedient to when God calls us to send out our own people or when God calls us to send you. And here's the third one. We must pray for people's salvation. We must pray that God would spread his gospel and his kingdom throughout our city until the nations. You know, one of my favorite books is the book of Nehemiah. And if you ever studied that book, you'll see that Nehemiah, he was a prayer warrior. And it said this, that when he hears the report about Jerusalem, what's going on, the city was destroyed. It said that he wept and he prayed. And in chapter 1, verses 5 through 11, we see this prayer where he interceded for the people. He interceded for the city. And together as a church, we must intercede for our city and our country and for the nations. We must pray that God would spread the gospel and his kingdom to our city and to the nations. See, the book of Nehemiah shows us that Nehemiah prayed every day for about four to five months, and he continued to pray every day until God answered his prayers. See, he knew the power of prayer, and we need to know the power of prayer. Nehemiah prayed daily, and we need to pray daily. And we as a church need to continue praying every day after day until God answers our prayers. So let me ask you something this morning. If God answered all of your prayers this morning, just think about that for one, just one second. All the praying you did, everything that you asked God for, if God answered your prayers, how many people would be saved? We must be a pray church for people's salvation. We must be praying for God to spread the gospel through our city and all over the world. And we must pray that God would use Valleydale Church to do it. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon says. Until the gates of hell that is shut upon a man... We must not cease to pray for him. And if we see him hugging the very doorpost of damnation, we must go to the mercy seat and beseech the arm of grace to pluck him from his dangerous position. While there is light, there is hope. And although the soul is almost smothered with despair, we must not despair for it, but rather arouse to awaking the almighty arm. Valley Church, if we want the gospel to spread to the nations and we want him to use Valley Church to do it, it must start on our knees. We have to, we must be a praying church. And I want to show you, I want to show you a video of the power of prayer. Watch the video. Hey, my name is Logan Mabin. I'm the pastor of Ocean View Church in Chula Vista. And God has done an incredible story at this place for many years and hopefully for many years to come. One of my favorite stories uh, when I met the team from Valleydale uh, was the story of Alan and Allie, a barber and his wife. At the time, they weren't married, and I'd been uh, going around our community and praying for businesses. One of the things that's unique about our church is we're located right in the middle of downtown. So every month I like to go to different businesses and bring my card and bring church invites and just bless them with gifts. On this particular day, I walked in the barbershop and the Lord stirred me to pray 
I don't know why he did, but it felt a little awkward. And I said, can I pray for you? And in that moment, everyone said yes and bowed their head. So I began to pray for the families and the people that were in the barber chairs and the barbershop itself. That was on a Thursday because that's what I normally do on Thursdays. And that Sunday, the entire barbershop and all their families came to our church. What I didn't know is, is how God will continue to use that story all the way forward. Just a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to lead that barber, Alan, to Christ. Recently been saved by God and um, he's been working, you know, through my life and, and with the people around me and, and I give a lot of thanks to, to Logan. He's a good friend of mine and I uh, really appreciate everything he's done for me and, and for the community. And um, yeah, God's doing some, some amazing things and, and I see him working through, you know, friendships, through my own family, through uh, through trials that we go through everyday life and, and, I'm, and I still keep seeking God even when we you know hit our troubles or you know even when we don't know where to go but we got to just keep leaning and trusting in God's you know word and, and in his faith yeah no seriously no you're gonna get on this video that's the power of prayer Valido Church, if we want to see people saved in our community and around the world, we must be praying for salvations. Thomas Rayner and Steve Parr recently revealed that regardless of their size or location, SBC churches who report the highest rate of baptisms attribute to their evangelistic effectiveness to praying for the salvation of non-believers. We must pray for salvations. And here's the fourth and last one. A missional church is passionate about sending and multiplying churches. Verse 3, then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. And what I want us to see something really important and powerful in this verse is I believe the church of Antioch was passionate about making disciples, passionate about worship, and passionate about prayer, and God gave them direction. He gave them a heart and passion to spread the gospel to the world. But notice this church didn't just sit back. They didn't sit back and say, Lord, you know, we want you to go take the gospel to the nations and we'll pray for that. But just don't use us. No, this church didn't do that. This church said, Lord, we want you to spread the gospel and we want you to use us to do it. This is how passionate this church was about getting the gospel to the world. And so they laid their hands on these two guys and they sent them out to go and to take the gospel and to plant churches to the nations. If you, if you don't believe me, listen to what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. For though I am free from all, I have made myself servant of all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became like a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside of the law, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became a weak. I came, became all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it for all the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessing. You can just see Paul's passion to do whatever he needed to do to take the gospel to people. And Valleydale, truly, if we have a desire to see the gospel of Jesus go to the nations, then we must be willing and ready to go and plant and replant churches all over our city and to the nations. See, we've already planted Iron City and we replanted church at Old Town, but I believe God is calling us to do more. 
We're actually in the process of looking at a potential opportunity to replant another church in the lead. So we're already praying about that. So we ask that you would join us in that prayer. But why church planting? Why replanting? Well, I believe that God's design for the spread of the gospel is through church multiplication. Clint Clifton, who recently went to be with the Lord, in his book, Church Planting Threshold, he says this, when you read Matthew 28, 18-20, you can clearly see a description of a gathered church. In these verses, you see people making disciples, baptizing, and teaching. Clifton wrote, disciple-making, baptizing, and teaching are activities of the local church. After Jesus gave the disciples the Great Commission, what did they go and do? They went and started new churches. Clifton then asked the question, if the Great Commission is really about making disciples and planning new churches, then should not every Christian in every church endeavor to start new churches? And the answer is yes. If Valido Church wants to fulfill the Great Commission, then we must be passionate about church multiplication, and we must do whatever we need to do, sacrifice whatever we need to sacrifice to go and plant and replant churches all over our city and all over the world. And here's the second one. If Valido Church desires to be a missional church, then we together must send people out. We must send people out to go and plant and replant churches. We must send out people to go and partner and support these churches short-term, mid-term, and long-term. Valido Church has sent out people in the past to go and plant and replant. We have sent out people to work alongside church plants and replants. But I believe God is calling us to send more. Together we must raise up, equip them, and send them out. This will not be easy, but it will, uh, and it will be a sacrifice. But I believe that this is what it takes to truly be a missional church. See, we're currently working on a ministry and resident and a church planting, replanting resident, where we're going to bring people in, equip them, and send them out to plant and replant churches all over the world. We're also building a sending pipeline where we'll be intentionally equipping and sending out church members to go and be faithful church leaders and church members all over the world. And we're excited about this, but here's the truth. It's going to take all of us to do this together, to be a true missional church that's sending out people to take the gospel to the nations, to plant and replant churches all over the city, all over the nations. It's going to take every one of us. Together, we will need to equip these people, care for them, pray for these people, and send these people out, and we will need people going with them. And let me be honest with you, God will call some of you to go, I promise you. We will need people praying, giving, and going short-term, mid-term, and long-term to partner and support these people on the field. The bottom line is it will take all of us together. We all have a part to play, and we must all play our part. And the question is not, will I be involved? The question really is, how will I be involved? If we truly want to be a missional church, then together we must be a church that is passionate about making disciples, worshiping Jesus, passionately praying, and equipping and sending out people to take the gospel to Jesus, to our city, and all over the world. This is the church that I believe God wants us to be, and this is the church that we need to be. But here's the question. What are we going to do? What are we going to do about this? Are we going to say to God, God, we want you to take the gospel to the nations, and we'll pray about that, but we don't want you to do that through us. Or are we going to be a church that says, Lord, we want to take the gospel to the nations, when we want you to use our church to do it. 
This is what this church did. But the question is, what will Valleydale Church do? That's the question we have to ask. What are we going to do? In 1991, the Chicago Bulls won their first championship. But before this, every year they could never get past the Detroit Pistons. They always got put out in the, in the tournament, um, in the playoffs, by the Pistons. But all this changed in 1989. In 1989, the Bulls general manager play, replaced Doug Collins with a man named Phil Jackson to become the Bulls head coach. The moment Jackson became the head coach, his goal was to win a championship. See, quickly, uh, Phil Jackson, he hired a man named Tex Winter who came in and he changed the offense and it took it, the ball more out of Michael Jordan's hands and he made him play more as a team. He quickly brought in a lot of new players, building it around Michael Jordan so they would play more as a team. And the moment that we, they made all these changes, the Bulls really became unstoppable. And within two years, the Bulls achieved their goal and they hosted up that championship trophy because they went from a one-man show to a team. Every man on that team had a part and every man played their part. And the truth is, church, if we want to be a missional church, it cannot be because the passion of one person or one department or even one life group. The only way we'll be a missional church that I believe God is calling us to be and to go and do is we must do it together. We must be a church that's on mission together. We all have a part to play and we must all play our part. We must be a church that's passionate about making disciples, worshiping Jesus, praying for the lost, and equipping and sending our best to take the gospel to the nations. Matthew Bennett says this, and I love this. The kingdom of God advances as whole churches of diverse gifted members are equipped by the whole council of scripture to minister where the Lord has placed them. The diversity of gifts, interests, and vocations we bring into the church gathering serves as a missional purpose as the church scatters to the corners of the community where the members spend their week. If we really want to do this Valleydale and be this type of church, it is going to take all of us on mission together. But here's the good news. I really believe this. I believe there's no greater power in the world than a community of God's people living on mission together. The world may hate us, mock us, the world will even try to stop us, but the truth is that a community of God's people living on mission cannot be stopped because Jesus cannot be stopped. So church, let's go be unstoppable. Let's pray, stand as we pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for your passion, Lord, to take the gospel. You sent your son Jesus to die on the cross so that we can know you, so the nations can know you, Lord. And we thank you for that. We give you all the glory for that, Lord. And I thank you for being a part of a church that's passionate about missions, passionate about getting the gospel to the nations and around our community, Lord. But I really, truly believe, Lord, that you are calling this church to do more. I believe you have resourced this church with people and finances. Lord, you have paid off the debt here. You have blessed this church so much, but I believe you're blessing us because you're calling us to do something more. And Lord, I pray that if there's someone here this morning that don't know Jesus, that's this not a disciple of Jesus, Lord, I pray that they heard today from your word of how much you love them. You love them so much, you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for their sins. And I pray that they would know that this morning and you would open their hearts and they would become a believer this morning. 
And Lord, and I just pray again as we leave here today that we leave here, Lord, with a bigger challenge, a bigger conviction to go and do what you've called this church to do, and that is to take the gospel beyond the walls of this church and to go make disciples in our community and around the world. And I pray in all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this recording from Valleydale Church. To find more or to connect with us about what you just heard, check us out at valleydale.org.